0: Good morning. Good morning, RBC. It's good to be with you here this morning. Merry Christmas. I like what Brent was saying, that we can still say Merry Christmas, and our tree's still up, and it's gonna stay up as long as I can. I mean, why take it down, right? Why take it down? Um, I hope you had a great Christmas. I hope you were nice to your family, and I hope you got a good meal and maybe some gifts out of it. Uh, But I hope that you had some time with the Lord. I hope that you remembered why we do what we do and what we're celebrating. And uh, this morning, I want to kind of look at uh, kind of the year, the year in review, and how do we look at 2020? It's our last Sunday of 2020, praise the Lord. Uh, But how do we look at it? Uh, This has been a really kind of a rough year. Uh, A lot of people are are looking at 2020 and saying, goodbye, good riddance. Uh, Don't come back again, and don't let the door hit you on the way out. Uh, and and really uh there's a lot of reasons for that, right I mean the the virus is the obvious one, but we've had racial tension, we've had political tension, economics, uh, there's so many different things uh, that are that are just really we had the fires, um, there's so many things that have went on this year. Uh, in fact, uh, I was listening to a radio show and they were just making they were going down a list of all the things that happened this year. And I'd forgotten so many of them, and and uh, it's almost like we've had so many tragedies that or or rough things that you know the the next one makes you forget about the last one, and 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 we're kind of in survival mode. Um, I want to I want us to remember this morning. Be reminded, God never intended that. God never intended for us to be in survival mode. Uh, God calls us to a great life. and, and to success and excel, be productive and efficient, uh, really to joy. He, he said, I came that you might have life and might have it to the fullest. And so uh, that's what I want us to be reminded about as we kind of look at the year and then how do we think about it? And um, I've been, I've been um, thinking a lot this year about uh, Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6. Say uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. And uh, I've kind of been waiting for today. Uh, we've been in series throughout the year and and different things. And I thought, well, we'll get to that, you know. And and every time something would happen this year, i think to myself, well, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, um, acknowledge in all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He'll make your path straight. And I just I'm so glad that we get to finally talk about that today, this morning. Um, so that's what we're going to look at, and uh, I want to I pray, uh, and then we'll get going. All right, Lord, thank you for this morning, and thank you for Christmas. What a great uh, time of season. I, I thank you, Lord, for the break that it was for some uh, from work, for others, the opportunity to be around family or see people they haven't seen, uh, the, t- the time to reflect And for many of us, Lord, just the idea that the the year is coming to an end. uh, Lord, this morning, we want to most to be reminded, Lord, that you were in this year. And we want to thank you for Christmas and what it represents, and that is God with us, you in the world, uh, represented humanly in Jesus. But Lord, that we might be reminded that that's always been true. First Testament, New Testament, and ever since. You've been in the world and you are alive and well and orchestrating all the things that are going on. And I pray, Lord, you'd help us to see how, how to view it, how to see it, how to think about it, Lord. And so I, I pray that as we look at your word this morning, you'd give us clarity. Uh, in some ways, some closure. Um, but, it, but in many ways, hope about future future and confidence in present, because you're with us. May, may we take that Christmas message with us, the idea that you are with us. And so, Father, uh, pray that you bless this time, bless your word, and uh, we, we ask that it would honor your son, and that you would guide it through your Holy Spirit. And so we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here we go. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6 comes from uh, obviously the whole chapter, but I want to start actually in verse 1 and, um, and get into this idea of uh, that, that the proverb is trying to draw us into. And, and what it is is drawing us into God and out of ourself. I think one of the big problems with 2020 is we we have seen all these things happen, and then we've been trying to find a way to solve them, how to think about them, and we've been kind of working our way through it. And I wonder how much it's drawn us away from the Lord, or how much do we credit God for what has gone on, or blame God for what's going on. And I want us to remember what was written thousands of years ago, thousands of years ago, um, when they had really rough problems as well. Um, we, we've got some, some great things that we get to deal with, right? We've got uh, indoor plumbing and heating and delivery services for our food that comes fresh. And I mean, we've got all these great things. Um, they had none of those things. And they knew what rough looked like. They knew what tragedy looked like famine, probably on levels that we're not used to. Um, and I want us to see what what the proverbist says to us, and really what God said to them, probably uh, Solomon or David. And uh, Proverbs 3.1, let's go ahead and get started with that. Uh, it says, my son, so we're giving instruction to someone younger, right? There's a little, little little coaching going on here. Little teaching in fact it's going to say that exactly, son, my son uh, do not forget my teaching it says proverbs three one my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments it said I have some things to impart to you one of the scary things about uh, young culture is how they want to, they want to be independent, and they want to try stuff on their own, and we want them to do that but There is a value to wisdom and experience, those that have gone before them, ahead of them. Uh, We got to ask the question, is that true about God? Has God gone before us? Is he ahead of us? Absolutely. And it says, I've got some things to show you, and not just some teachings, but I wanted you to see what it says in that second line of verse one. It says, let your heart keep my commandments. So beyond just teaching, there are commandments. There's like I'm going to give you some information, but then I'm going to give you some action items that you're meant to follow. And so he gets into this. He says, follow my teachings, follow my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace. They will add to you. He says, I'm going to give you some teaching, great information. I'm going to give you some action items. And then here's the payoff. Here's the reward, the blessing, if you will. You're going to get days and years and peace. I tell you what, if, if somebody wanted to ask me right now, 2021, next year, starting in a few days, what do you want for next year? And I could, go, I could go down the list of all the things that we read on the news or our friends talk about or we post on social media. I might just sum them up in one word, peace. I would love for next year to be peaceful, like exponentially more peaceful than we were this year. Um, and, and how do we do that? Apparently, this guy, listening to the Lord, says the way you do that is follow teaching and commandments. Know, any guesses where those teaching and commandments come from? We have faith in the church, those that follow Christ. We say our teaching and our commandments, they come from God and God alone. We say, I say amen, and you say amen, and we, and we move forward. Um, how much do we believe that that's actually going to benefit us, that it'll pay off, that there'll be a return on our investment? Um, it's a great question. Go ahead and look down. If you got your Bible with this or look on the screen, it's, it's up there. Uh, verse 3, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. It says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bible does this from time to time, especially in the poetry kind of things. I want you to look at that. It's acting like steadfast love is a being, or faithfulness is a person, and that those two people could forsake you, like leave you. Hey, you know, I really like you, but, you know, I'm I'm steadfast love, and I've got better things to do, so I'm gonna leave you on your own, and I'm gonna go somewhere else. Or faithfulness as if faithfulness was somebody you had a relationship with and you had to maintain that relationship for you to be stable long-term, for you to follow what you said you were gonna follow. Uh, The Bible does that for a fact. And to kind of sarcastically, maybe comedically, draw you into the idea that, you know, these aren't things that could leave you. Those things can't forsake you, can they? What's the irony of being, what's being said here? The irony is they're saying, if those things leave you, well, you wouldn't call it leaving. You'd call it, you made a decision. You decided to stop loving, and therefore it was no longer steadfast, and you stopped being faithful. You, you gave away faith, you gave away love, and you started pursuing other things. Uh, that's my fear of this last year what's your fear of this last year? Mine is this, that that people have turned away to worrying about, hey, what's the virus going to do and what rules should we have and how's the economy going to turn around and, hey, we've got to worry about who we're going to elect or who we're not going to elect or who's in power or how are we going to vote or, gosh, the economy, jobs. I mean, we can freak out about all that stuff. And we spend so much time on that that we get short with other people. Uh, We neglect that could be spent on being faithful to the things that God intended for us, that actually work, that he's actually commanded us to do, and that pay off in the long term. Instead, we're worrying about culture. We're worrying about maybe who's wronged us or what's been posted about you. The writer says here, uh, stick to love and stick to faith. I for you maybe you're you, you were better off than I was growing up but growing up for me I would read bible stuff and maybe maybe you were unfortunate enough to not even have the bible when you were young you were doing other things and and god came into your life later but as a young man I would read things like this and steadfast love and I what is that faithfulness sounds like a really big word i needed 5 bucks in order just to buy it uh For me, the best thing has always been to try and look at those words and rethink or redefine, put them in more easily understood terms. And so I look at that and I say, stick to love and stick to faith, like stay with it. That's how it makes sense to me, rather than it just being great poetry with really big words. No, what does it actually mean? And would it actually pay off? See, I, I I, made the mistake of actually believing some of this stuff and then trying it to see if it actually pays off. Like, you're gonna give me days and years and peace? Well, that sounds great. I'm in. What do I need to do? And if I need to take a step forward or I need to be more loving or I need to be faithful in things that I have uh, not done before, then what if I tried that? You see, For us to be loving and faithful is for us to start caring about things outside of ourself, Uh, valuing God's standards or valuing other people. Um, You can't love yourself. That's not really even called love. Uh, It's called ego. It's called pride. It's called self-centeredness or selfishness. So verse 3, it reminds us, no matter what's going on, hey, here's the teaching, here's the commandment. Stick with love and stick with faithful. Don't ever let those leave. In fact, the second line of verse three, go ahead, look down or look up. uh, Bind them around your neck. What's that? What do we put around our necks? Don't say noose. I know some of you are going dark. No, no, no. Jewelry, right? Why do you put jewelry around your neck? To make you look better. Uh, It's a lie. Jewelry's a lie okay? I don't mean that like too literally. Uh, You look wonderful enough without your jewelry. Now, if you want to wear jewelry, that's great because it makes you look good and you have fun, and yeah, we should dress up, right? Wear a collar sometimes. Wear a belt. Uh, Shave and put on the smelly nice and all that kind of stuff, but you do it because you want to get better. You're trying to project something. What if we bound love and faithfulness around our necks as, as something we projected to make ourselves look better? To affect how other people see us. Uh, that'd be much more valuable than jewelry, wouldn't it? Uh, no stone or precious metal could match that. It says, bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Did you know that electronic devices were in the Bible? They had tablets, apparently, on their hearts. That's amazing, little comedy for you, right? Uh, but apparently there's something with your heart where you're, you're allowed to affect it, stain it, define it. It says your heart should function from love. Your heart should function from faith. So much so that if you could read your heart, you would see it written on there. And you know, here's the reality most everybody can read your heart. Most people, when they come in contact with you, they leave interaction with you, and and you know what they say to themselves, or somebody else asks them, hey, how'd that go with Fred? How'd it go? Eh, it went pretty well. Or, uh, I don't know, he's kind of difficult. Seems like he was distracted. Uh, he's got... Other things that are more important than me, I, I could just tell. You know, some of us think that if we keep our facial expression a certain way or fake it or project something, that, that somehow our heart that's hidden in our chest can't be read. Uh, I question that wholeheartedly, pun intended. I think our hearts are readable regularly if not all the time. Uh, In fact, I was accused of this. I I was convicted of this with my family over the holidays because we started talking about something and it was the weirdest thing. We're at the table, everything's fine, we're eating a great meal, everybody's happy and we did one of these things where we're going around the table sharing, you know, and it got to my turn and I was like, oh, it's my turn and I started talking and I I started losing it in front of my whole family and extended family. I was just like, oh. And they're like, gosh, dad, what's wrong with you? You're getting old or so you're, you're becoming a softie. Yeah, he seems to be doing that more often. Maybe I'm getting more in touch with it. I don't know. Uh, or maybe it's a marker of what's true about all of us. do not matter how to hide or project or try to act. Ultimately, people really are going to see what's on your heart. It's going to come out. Maybe that's why God wants us to wear it around our neck and and write it on our heart. Uh, Verse four, so, oh, here's why. Here's why you do the first three verses. So you will find favor and good success. Anybody want favor and success? Sign me up. I'll take a double dose. In fact, I'll come back tomorrow with my truck. And then can I bring a trailer? (laughs) I want to fill it up. I want as much favor and success I remember um, I remember uh, working with a pastor for a long time. I, I worked with a, a guy. He was, he was a good guy, good enough guy. Uh, but he, he used to project on, he would say, I, I don't want us to use the word success when we do things, especially on stage when we teach. I, I don't want you to wor- use the word success. And I, I understand why. Why wouldn't we use the word success? Well, because that's not what it's all about. really because I'm pretty sure God wins in the end is that success yeah whenever he went to battle he won that's success he promises us peace you want to call that effectiveness or good for you great I want to call it success in fact I want to be successful I want us to be I want you to be successful and I believe that God promises that for us he says you have an opportunity to to be successful. Here's how you do it. I got some teachings, some commandments. Wear them on your heart and your neck. Do them regularly. We're going to call them love and faithfulness, and that's going to get you through. Oh, really? Because I thought, I thought if we had a vaccine, then everything will be better. Hmm. Hmm. I want a vaccine. Let me be clear. I know some people are freaking out right now. Oh, the pastor doesn't want a vaccine or he won't take it. Yes, I'll be first in line, except for I think other people should be allowed to take it before me. I'll take it as soon as I get a chance, but I'm not going to take it before someone else who needs it more takes it. This is not the point. Okay, we're on a rabbit trail. Here's the point. What's more powerful than the vaccine? What's more important than the vaccine? What controls the vaccine. In fact, what's more important and more powerful and in control of all things? It's got to be God, right? If Heitzman was here, he'd say Jesus, like really loud, right? So that's what we need to remember. We, we get to favor and success. We get it through these things. And watch this, verse four, not, not just in the sight of God, but in the sight of men. What if you had favor and success to the point that other people could see it? See, that's what I want. I'm, I'm, I'm very nervous that people can read my heart. I'm much more excited about them being able to read my success and my favor, that God has blessed me in some way, and look at that and say, that can't be about Scott because he's not that good, but he sure does have a lot of favor. That must have come from God. That's what I want to see happen. Don't you? I mean, tell me what you wish for, right? Verse five, here's what God hopes you wish for. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then look at this one. This is an indictment right here. This is an indictment on 2020. Do not lean on your own understanding, folks we have camped out we have built ramparts on our own understanding this year we think if our side doesn't win oh it's all going to go to pot hey this is true that's true so and so said it's all information and and the more we think we understand it the better are we are off it's not true it's a lie I was absolutely fascinated. Uh, I, I watched the new uh, Wonder Woman movie came out. It's out on HBO. They can't, you can't go to the theaters anymore, right? I don't. Proof that hell exists. You can't go to the movies. Uh, but uh, uh, HBO has the new Wonder Woman movie, and there's a premise in there about the value of truth over lies. And I, I I was I was I was really watching because it was almost implying that the enemy you know, in, in hero movies there's always a bad guy, there's always a villain, right? They're usually ugly and they're mean and they're trying to destroy the world. It was almost implied that like lies were the ultimate enemy. I mean, there's a bad guy or a bad girl or a bad person or whatever. there's a an antagonist, right? But it was almost implying that lies were the most powerful of all things, and that truth was the real hero. I was just fascinated by that concept, uh, and it's a, an old concept. I mean, we see it way back in Proverbs and in Psalms, and really back to the very, very beginning of all things. Right? Trust in the Lord with all your hot heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways. How many? Say all. If you're at home right now and you're watching on YouTube, I want you to say all out loud. Ready? One, two, three. All. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Is that how you think? Absolutely. Is that how you feel? Ooh, written on your tablet of your heart. Uh Uh-huh. Is that in the things that you do with your hands and your feet? For sure. Is it how you look? How you present yourself to other people? Yes, it's like a necklace. In every single way acknowledge him. Well, that that seems a little excessive, Scott. Is it? Is it really? Tell me that after you've tried it. Tell me that it's excessive after you've actually attempted in all of your ways to acknowledge him and to trust in him. God, I know there's a virus. Would you please solve it? I mean, have you prayed that? Have you prayed anything like that this year? If you haven't, as your pastor and as a bordering on the human side of my negative sinful side, I I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. If you have not said that prayer this year, Lord, there's a virus and you need to solve it. Not that God's going to solve it on his own or if he did, yes, we would obviously give him credit for it. And should we have a vaccine? And should there be science? Absolutely, God gave us science. He gave us doctors. He gave us vaccines and things like that. But if you haven't acknowledged that he's in control of all of those things and said, God, something's going on. We can't control it. You can. Please do something about it. Then then I, I got a question. What are you doing? Are you shopping on the internet? Are you too busy? You're trying to work from home and figure out how to do school or whatever it is figure out how to make some money? Talk to God about all of those things. If you're not, you've missed the point of 2020. You've missed the point that we were meant to be trusting in God in 2020. I, I half wonder if all of these things have happened because he made them or allowed them, however you want to phrase it, to draw us back into his attention, that draws back into proximity of him. God, I've got to make some big decisions this year help me. That's what's been exciting this year, is seeing so many people push through very, very difficult decisions or very difficult experiences. I was planning on getting married this year. Now, what do I do? So-and-so passed in our family, and we relied on them. We love them. And what do we do? How do we even honor them in a funeral? One, we can't meet in in groups. And two, we don't have the money to pay for any of that kind of stuff because we're out of work. Hey, maybe the the math is such, i got to move. And people have pushed through that. to, It's time to move. It's time to change jobs. It's whatever. When we start trusting the Lord with all of our heart and and leaning not on our own understanding, that's when we acknowledge him. And look at that last line because that's a promise, folks. He will make straight your path. I memorized this as a younger man, and it was, he will make your path straight. Just different order of words. I'll I tell you what, folks, I want a straight path. Like When I get out uh, the map to go on a trip or I plug it into my phone, I, I, I think it's hilarious. The phone always makes a suggestion that's like 45 minutes longer to get somewhere. Like, why would I pick that? I want to get there as fast as possible, especially if it's my success or my peace or favor. I want to get there as quickly as possible. I want a straight path to that stuff. Well, how are we talking to God about it? How are you talking to God about that relationship that's struggling? It's a great question in any area of our life. Lord, how, how could I have a straighter path in this? Verse six says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your make straight your path. Verse seven, and then be not wise in your own eyes. Be not wise in your own eyes. My dad used to quote this one uh, to me all the time. He, he quoted it from a different version of the Bible. I'm not quite sure what translation it was. It was something like uh, this. Uh, don't get wise bubble eyes or i'll knock you down to peanut size understand rubber band I, I i've looked for it i can't quite find it this is the closest i could find be not wise in your own eyes and from there it differs from what my dad my dad's cute little rhyme that he gave me it says fear the lord and turn away from evil don't be wise in your own eyes Instead, fear the Lord. Why do, why do I need to be afraid of God? You need to be afraid of God if you're leaning on your own understanding. Oh, I'm just going to do this from now on. Oh, really? You sure that God wants you to do that from now on? Hey, I'm just going to violate the instructions or I'm going to just isolate from now on. I'm going to take my money and I'm going to do this. I'm just going to... Really? Careful. Careful. Because when you start getting wise in your own eyes, you you elevate wisdom over who. Wisdom becomes more valuable than God, uh, and it can't be true. Can't be true. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Uh, wow! Because, you know what has just happened there. What just happened to wisdom? In, in the book about wisdom, Proverbs is, the, is called wisdom literature, and it's like the book on wisdom, right? And in that book about wisdom, it says wisdom can be evil. It says turn away from evil. Which evil? The be not wise in your own eyes. That's crazy that there is a time when wisdom, information, understanding actually hurts you, not just hurts you, but is killing you. and we live in the information age. Congratulations. That's scary to me, folks. Verse 18, or, or verse eight. Uh, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. If you turn to God over wisdom, it's actually good for you physically. you are peaceful, if you find a way to be patient in the midst of stress and turmoil. What does that do to your body? I mean, Scientists tell us your body chemistry changes when you're calmer, when you have confidence, when you're patient, uh, when you're loving, when you're faithful or consistent. Well, may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. Uh I want to remind us um, before we get into our, our fill ins here quickly. I want to remind us what we read over the last uh, four sermons. Uh, I would say the last three and a half weeks. We, we did a series on the gifts of Christmas. We, we did uh, gold, frankincense, myrrh, and then Jesus, the ultimate gift that we did on Christmas Eve. And we, we took that from Matthew chapter two, great little passage, uh, 11 verses that we really covered um, mostly. Uh, there's, a, there's a 12th verse in Matthew chapter two. In fact, there's a lot of verses in chapter two beyond that story. But the 12th verse says this. And I think it's a key part of the Christmas story because it happens after Christmas. And we're the Sunday after Christmas and I I just feel like this has to play into today and especially in light of what we're reading in, in Proverbs chapter three. It says this, Matthew chapter two, verse 12. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, They departed to their own country by another way. Ooh, is there a fifth gift after Christmas? I don't know about your family, but our family for years, it's been kind of a tradition. My dad started doing this to us. Uh, My mom used to do this to us. We'd get through all the presents on Christmas and there's wrapping paper everywhere. Candy and chocolate on our cheek and like, Cider everywhere, the whole thing. Uh, eggs that you started eating, but you were excited about the gift, so you went back to them, and the place is a mess. Toys are half open. Some boxes haven't been touched, and, and you think that you're getting, you're gonna get into the rest of your day. It's like I'm gonna get out the Legos and I'm gonna build that thing. And my mom or my dad or somebody said, "Whoa, hold on. I forgot. There's one more. There's one more gift." And it was like, Christmas isn't over. There's one more. And we get so excited. And usually it was big. Like the best was saved for last. Uh, that I know for some people that phrase is, you know, it's, it's just a phrase. For me, it always made me think about Christmas because the best was always saved for last in our house. Uh, I do it with my kids too. Uh, in fact, I did it uh, a couple days ago. I did it on Christmas. I did it. Uh, to my oldest son. We were all done. Everything was finished, and, and we're starting to clean up. I said, oh, wait, I forgot. There's one more. Here, you got to open this, right? Save the best for last. Uh, this story has a gift like that at the very end. Christmas is over. The gifts have been given, and the, and the wise men are leaving. Matthew chapter 2, verse 12 says, here's the gift. It's the gift of faith. What? It doesn't say faith anywhere. Yeah, it does. It does. It absolutely says it in full experience. They were given direction by a dream. And what went on in their heads and their hearts and in their conversation amongst them was like, hey, did you have a dream last night? Can you imagine how this conversation went? Hey, were you, did you get a dream? Yeah, was there angels? Did they tell you we're supposed to go a different way? Should we do that or should we go back to Herod? That was the question of the day. The day after Christmas, the days after Christmas, that was the question that they were dealing with. Do I go with this thing that I think was a dream and it might have been God's leading and I, do I put faith in that? And here's the thing. The greatness of that gift is that it requires decision. There's faith, but faith requires decision. In fact, that's where we get the word faithfulness. The proverb says, hey, steadfast love and faithfulness. Love that the wise men had to make a decision and they made the right choice. I'm gonna make a decision based on faith. In fact, we have a phrase that we were use in the church and in the scriptures for generations. The righteous shall live by what is it? The righteous shall live by faith. And we see it. Uh, we see it in Romans. We see that that phrase in Ephesians. We actually see that phrase in Hebrews as well. It gets quoted at least three times in the New Testament. The righteous shall live by faith. One of the greatest gifts that we have is the opportunity to actually have faith in God. Why? So that He could actually come through for us. That He could show up on the scene. That our prayers could be answered. Here's the, here's the problem, though. It requires decision. And that's why three times it's quoted in the New Testament from a book that probably most of you have never read. Habakkuk. In fact, some of you are saying, oh, is that how you pronounce it? Habakkuk? I thought it was Habakkuk. Habakkuk. No, it's Habakkuk 2, verse 4. So the righteous will live by faith. They get to the New Testament, and they've, they've understood that so well that they're quoting a, a, a random Old Testament minor prophet to draw us back into that last gift of Christmas. And I think the focus of how we look back at 2020, that we're to live by faith, that we have a decision to make, and that we need to be like the wise men rather than Herod. The wise men said, we have, we have this leading and we're gonna trust, we're 51% or more convinced that this is God pushing it and we're gonna, we're gonna take a step in that direction. We're gonna move closer to what we think he wants. Or we can act like Jer- uh, Herod and just kind of go with what we know and try to con- hold on to power and manipulate things and manipulate people. And, and we'll see which one gets us actual peace favor and success first thing I want us to see from from this passage in this last Christmas of 2020 and this first christmas or first Sunday after um, after Christmas is that forgettable and forsakeable are foreseeable your fill-ins your first set of fill-ins forgettable and forsakeable are foreseeable I made you write down forgettable and forsakeable. I left in foreseeable because that one's a hard one to spell. I had to spell check that one. You know, in verse one, it says, hey, don't forget. Why would we need to be told not to forget unless forgetting is possible? And it says about uh, steadfast love and faithfulness in verse three, uh, don't let them forsake you, which really is what I told you is irony. Meant to draw us into the idea that you could forsake being loving, you could forsake being uh, faithful. And what it's really telling us is both of those things—being forgetful and forsaking things—they're foreseeable. What does that mean? They're going to happen. You're going to forget things, and you're going to you're going to turn away from certain things. There's all kind—I can't even list all the things that I don't do anymore that I used to do when I was young. All right. one of them I don't go to scary movies anymore. It's a goofy example, but if I'm paying money to be entertained I don't want to be upset or scared or anything like that. I want to be fun and happy I want a romantic comedy or an action flick or a superhero movie. I don't know espionage I'll do any of them There's certain things we turn from and then there's certain things we forget It's so easy for us to forget it it's it's shameful i I made a dish. Uh, for Christmas, Uh, country-style spare ribs. I got to cook. Uh, It's the same dish I made at Thanksgiving. I made the same dish one month apart. Uh, We liked it so much at Thanksgiving that we just decided, well, let's just make it again. I know how to do it now. And we had the first practice run. You know, I I got to making the uh, spare ribs this year or this month. and, And I thought to myself, wait, what was the recipe? I'd already forgotten the recipe. I had to get out the recipe again and look through it. and Oh, oh yeah, I need Worcestershire sauce or whatever. Uh, it's the same way with us. As easy as it is for us to forget paprika, we can forget God. We can forget the things that are important to God. We can forget deadlines or when to take our medication. We can forget where our keys are or where we placed our phone. We forget, we forget passwords. We forget all kinds of things. God says, don't forget me. You are forgettable and forsakeable. You, you forsake things, you forget things, and, and you're partial, you're limited. Know that about yourself. Uh, it's sad we need the proverbist to tell us that. But it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. If we're forgettable and we forsake things, uh, then we need to trust in someone who never forgets and never forsakes. Second thing I want us to see from the passage is that faithfulness and love outrank wisdom. Faithfulness and love outrank wisdom. Who wrote that? the guy who prayed to be the most wise of all time, King Solomon. God asked him, what do you want? Ask for me anything. He said, make me wise. He was most wise. He wrote Proverbs, most of it, right? And what does he say? The wisest guy says, "Mm, nope, love and faithfulness, more important than being smart. You know, have you figured this out about being smart? The more answers you have or you get, the more questions they will give you. Information just leads to more questions. That's why kids, when they first learn to talk and reason, ask you why over and over and over. Why? Why? Because there's no end, there's no end to wisdom. Uh, and so, pursuing that as you know, we need to study more, we need to have bigger conversations, longer conversations. Yes, we can do all those things. And we want to do best practices, and we want to vote on things, we want to do all that stuff. We want to listen to science and the whole thing. But faithfulness and love are more important. Because you have all the information in the world, but you have bad character, then who are you? You're lost. Right. No peace comes from that. No steadfastness comes from that. Uh, no favor and 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 no success. Right? Um, what have you been valuing when it comes to information and wisdom and understanding this sure. year? Especially when it comes to some of our hardships. You think you're right? I hope you don't figure out how that turns out. I hope you trust in the Lord rather than trying to be right yourself. Uh, Take it from somebody who's been wrong many, many times. And I'm starting to enjoy it more and more. I like being wrong. Because when I'm wrong, at least I know there is a right out there and it's not me. And now I know to pursue something else. It's a great place to be. Faithfulness and love outrank wisdom. Lastly, uh, fear of the Lord finds favor. The fear of the Lord finds favor. In 2020, what were you afraid of this year? What was the issue this year for you? What was the most important thing of 2020 for you? The primary story. What was it? There's so many candidates. And lucky for you, blessing for you, Rock Bible Church is gonna give you the answer to that question was the most important issue in 2020, ready? Of all the things, the race, the economy, the virus, the political, but I'm gonna give you the answer, ready? God. God was the most important issue of 2020. And I can't help but wonder if all of things, these these things happened and all of the divisiveness and all of the trouble and the sickness and fires if all of that hasn't happened and God, in such a way that God could use it to draw us back to himself and say, uh, this is what the this is it looks like without God. And I'm just giving you a taste. When you do just whatever you want, it goes south, it goes poorly, and it goes fast, rapid. It just falls apart. And I, and I can't help but, but draw out two things. One, uh, favor. It says you'll find favor. God wants favor for you, right? Uh, but with that comes the fear of the Lord. And, and it draws us into this, this idea back in the book of Judges. It, it, is, it says, uh, and Israel had no king, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. Does that sound like us today? I'm scared because I think it sounds like that. I think it sounds like us today. Well, he's not my president, or he's not my president, or I'm not gonna this, or I don't believe in that, or oh, no, we should be doing this. Everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes and they give their allegiance to no one or no thing. And then you read through the book of Judges. And horrid things happen. It gets bad really fast. My prayer for 2020 is that it's drawn us into the Lord more. And we fear the Lord enough that we don't need to fear him. Wait, you just contradicted yourself. Yes. If you fear life without God, if you fear what the Lord could be doing, if you fear what does the Lord have behind the virus or what does the Lord have behind this racial tension, what is he trying to teach us, how is he trying to mold us, correct us, if you fear... And you want to know what that is because you're pursuing and you're drawing closer to him, then at that point you don't have to fear anything. You can go through life and and you can enjoy your experience with God. That's what we're meant to do. And then you can look forward to next year, to 2021. Amen. Uh what'd you spend too much time on this year? What'd you worry about? Much this year? What mistakes did you make this year? What have you said to God about those things? What have you asked Him about those things? Uh, and how would He have you correct them? Uh, how would He have you adjust? Course correct. What do you honestly believe He wants for you? It's a great question. And and in being faithful to that and loving towards him and others, you're going to find favor, answers, and success. You pray with me, uh, Lord. In a, in a weird way, we we thank you for this year. We thank you for this passage and what it says about this year, uh, Lord. What it says about us. I pray mostly, Lord, that we look at it and see what it says about you. I pray, Lord, that we would continually look at the idea that you you have influence over all things, that you care about all things, that you want favor and blessing and success for your people, that you created us to love us and for us to love you, that that's how the system is supposed to work. And I pray, Lord, that we would draw near to that, that we would seek that out, And then, Lord, uh, protect us from our own wisdom, from our own thinking, from our own decisions, Lord. I should even thank you, Lord, that the analogy you used was of uh, heart and neck rather than hands and feet. That we might be pulled into who we are rather than what we do. So, Lord, I thank you uh, for this morning. I thank you for this year. I pray, Lord, that you would bless us for future mornings and next year. We thank you for the offering that we're about to receive and we pray you bless it. We pray this in your son Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank uh, everybody. Christmas Eve uh, was so great. And I want to thank all the people that were there. And we had so many different things set up and that, and cleaned up. And the candles and just just a great experience. So I want to thank everybody who helped out with that um, for letting us continue to try and, and do church. And those of you that joined us online, thanks for being with us. And uh, uh, this morning, may we be reminded, trust in the Lord all year, every year. Amen? Go with him.